Kia ora Church, uh, I'm Selina, I'll be reading the Bible for us today. Um, we'll be reading from 1 John chapter 4, verses 11 to 21. If you have one of these church Bibles, it's on page 1056. Uh, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. Whoever does not love his brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Thanks, Selena. Uh, good morning. Uh, if I haven't met you before, my name's Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. It'd be great if you can keep that part of God's Word open as we uh, look at that together. Um, uh, what I was trying to tell Andy during the notices via smoke signals that we're not getting through um, was on the back of the news sheet at the bottom, uh, there's a bunch of QR codes there for how you can sign up for our e-news, and so you can sign up for our uh, Facebook group and also the daily Bible reading notes. Uh, so if you're not getting those things and you want to get those things, that's a great way you can get onto them. Um, sometimes people put that stuff on the comment card and we're a little bit uh, slow at uh, getting actioning them as fast as you would like, and so you can do that uh, yourself there. Um, the other reason, uh, the re- for church in December, just assume it's not normal uh, and go and check our website and whatnot as to where we are. Um, it's just all over the shop. I sat down to try and write out where it was going and what was all happening, and it was too confusing, and I gave up. And so that's why it's not published there, but it will be next week, so don't worry. I have a whole week to work on it. Um, uh, uh, we're going to uh, read, uh, uh, spend some time looking at that part of the Bible, so um, will you pray with me as we uh, look at God's Word together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your Word. Lord, we... Um, we pray now that as we uh, read it, that we might hear your voice and we might hear the voice of a father who loves his children, that we might hear the voice of a father who um, has given us his spirit, that we might um, be filled with your love from your word, that we might be filled with your love because of what you've done for us in Jesus, such that it overflows to those around us. And we pray all this uh, in his great name. Amen. Uh, This is a part of the Bible, I can't help but read this part of the Bible and think about all the weddings I've done, where this has been uh, one of the readings uh, at the wedding. 
And so uh, often at weddings, I get the best uh, seat in the house. Uh, I'm standing up the front and the bride and groom are before me and they're kind of as dressed up and as doled up as they'll ever be. Uh, there's a room full of smiles as friends and whanau from all over have come to witness and celebrate the, 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 the wonderful day. Uh, and then the vows get said and kind of, you know, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, uh, to love and to cherish as long as we both shall live. And uh, never have I done a wedding where there's been a moment hesitation where the person says, I will, um, and the groom stares uh, lovingly into his bride's wife and says, I love you. Now, there are moments where uh, loving someone feels really easy. Uh, it feels really easy to do. A uh, wedding day is surely one of those moments. Uh, maybe the day that your child is born and you hold them for the first time and you just feel love overflowing inside you. Maybe you have a friend who's made you feel special or, or known uh, or cared for or understood uh, and, and, and you, you, you find it easy to love them. Maybe when someone loves you, you find it easy to love them in return. But there are moments, even in the happiest of marriages, even in the most connected of families, even in the closest friendships where love, well, that's the last thing you feel like doing right now. Uh, There are even times in our church where we are not feeling the love for one another. Maybe it's the the person is just so different from you. You just can't connect with them, so they're hard to love. Maybe they've let you down again. Maybe the words have slipped out of their mouth and they can't be unsaid. Maybe they've lied you, betrayed you, hurt you. And there's times where we're asking ourselves, How on earth am I going to be able to love them again? How on earth am I going to be able to keep loving this person? Or maybe I just feel like I give and give and give in so many places. How on earth am I going to keep loving those around us? You see, the warm, fuzzy, positive feelings, they've run dry. Um, The person you're looking at doesn't look like what they did on the wedding day anymore. Uh, Maybe the person has taken, the friend has taken and taken and taken from you and they never, ever seem to give back. I had a friend uh, whinging on Facebook about uh, being at a, a, a party and talking to someone for an hour, and not once in that hour did the person he was talking to ask one question about him. How do you love a person in those moments? How do you keep loving? See, if we're going to rely on warm, fuzzy feelings, or if we're going to rely on physical attraction, or if we're going to rely on being loved in return or never being let down, if that's going to be the source of our love for others, well, it's never going to produce the sort of sacrificial, other person-centered love that will really last. I'm not just talking about marriages here, but this relates to friendships and neighbors and workmates, and especially us here together, brothers and sisters in Christ at church. You see, when we fail to love one another, when we, when we hurt one another, when we, when we disappoint and damage one another, how can we love and love in a way that lasts? Because that's what's expected of us. I don't know if you've been paying attention as we worked our way through 1 John. Love is supposed to be a mark of us as God's children, as God's people. Uh, we've read it time and time again in 1 John. And 1 John doesn't say we need to love, but 1 John sets a high bar for what love is. John expects that we will love one another in a real and sacrificial way. We'll love what? 1 John 3.16. This is what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life 
for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. How are we going to love like that? Well, John expects us to. And this passage will help us find a way that it is even remotely possible for us to love like that, for us to keep loving one another like that. John, he expects that love will be the feature that defines our life together as people of God. And that's how our passage started in uh, chapter 4, verse 11. It'd be great if you have your Bible open to see that uh, what I'm saying is there in the Scriptures. Uh, chapter, 4 verses, uh, chapter 4, verse 11, John says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Uh, it's the expectation that Jesus sets his followers. Uh, we read in John 13, and it should come up on the screen, John 13, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So how can we do it? How can we have this sort of love in our lives, in our relationships? How can we have this love amongst us here at City on a Hill? Well, this is where John is taking us in our passage today. Uh, John wants to show us how our love for one another is connected to God and connected to his love for us. Uh, and this idea really started a few verses earlier in chapter uh, 4, verse 7. Uh, in chapter 4, verse 7, uh, John wrote, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. You see there's the connection there, right? Isn't there? Uh, between God's love for us and our love for each other. And John says that love, it comes from God. Our love for others, it's connected with being loved by God. It's connected with being God's children, being in relationship with God. Uh, and the rest of the passage we're looking at today will go on to explain what that connection looks like. And he'll go on to explain how it's possible for broken and sinful and selfish people like me and you, how it's possible for us to love and to love others who are equally broken and selfish and sinful as well. And how to love in a way that is sacrificial. Uh, now John begins to explain the connection between God's love and our love in verse 12. Uh, have a look there, verse 12. He says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Those two phrases are the key uh, to, to what John's saying here, the key to his logic. Uh, the idea of God's love living in us and that God's love is made complete in us. Uh, now John's saying those two things are two things that are going on inside us that make it possible for us to love one another. We love because God has loved us. And so one, God lives in us and two, his love is being made complete in us. Uh, now, John takes uh, those two links in turn, uh, and he expands on them. So firstly, he expands on the reality, uh, verses 13 to 16, of God living in us. Uh, and in particular, he's, he's, he's talking here about the confidence that we can have that he lives in us. The confidence we can have because he's given us his spirit. Verse 13, have a look there. Verse 13, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. 
now, if you've been paying attention the last couple of weeks, you might feel like John's covered this ground already. Um, uh, one of the ways that I find uh, is really helpful to understand how John is writing his letter is it's like a spiral staircase. Uh, so he's going around and around, covering the same topics over and over again, but each time he's going higher or deeper in those topics. And so we might hear the same words, but John is adding another dimension or another aspect to that. And so here we are, we have the same topic, but we have a different angle. I mean, John has told us earlier that only because of God's Spirit can we confess the truth about Jesus. Only by God's Spirit working in our lives can we say that Jesus is God's Son, the Savior of the world. Uh, and that sort of conviction about Jesus, it only comes from when God gives us His Spirit and takes, uh, by His Spirit, frees us from the shackles of sin. Uh, just as a side note here, I want to. Um, it used to be a much bigger thing in the past, but it still exists today. Um, don't ever be troubled if someone tells you you don't have God's Holy Spirit unless you've spoken in tongues. Don't ever be troubled that if someone ever says you haven't got God's Holy Spirit unless you've had some sort of miraculous healing in your life. Don't be troubled if someone ever says you don't have God's Holy Spirit unless your, your, your life is going wonderfully, your career, your business, whatever, is, is going from strength to strength. See, that sort of thinking it is not here in the Bible. There is one sign that you have God's Holy Spirit. And the sign is there in verse 15. It's whether or not you acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. So if that's you, if you're honestly convinced by the news that uh, God sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world, if you have that, then John is telling you loud and clear you have God's Spirit in you. You are filled with God's Spirit. And so don't let anyone rob you of that assurance. And so that now that you have the, the Spirit of God who is love within you, now that you have Him living in you, verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And so John is saying here that love will be a sign that God's Spirit lives in us. Love will be an outward expression of God's Spirit living within us. Um, let me illustrate this. Our staff team, we have an office uh, down on Tory Street. Uh, and in there, um, there's a whole bunch of desks that belong to each of the staff members. And if you walk around our office, just by looking at the desk, you can tell who's, uh, who it belongs to. Uh, there's the first one here. Um, I've got a picture of it. Uh, you can see there's a Nerf gun there. Um, uh, this is Rob's, the Nerf gun. Keep the youth group kids in line. Um, there's some big theology books piled up there from his last essay. Uh, here's the next desk. Uh, can you guess who this one is? Uh, you can see in the corner there's a drink bottle and some sunglasses and a running hat. Uh, it's pretty neat and tidy. This one belongs to Paul. Uh, there is no prizes whatsoever in guessing the next one. Uh, everything's in order. There's like, indoor plants. Uh, there's some music folders. There's some art in frames. Yeah, that's mine. No. Uh, that's Claire's desk, clearly. Uh, desk number four, it's pretty messy. Uh, if you can look closely in the bottom corner, there's some bike tires, some old bike tires in the corner, and there's some uh, bike inner tubes on the desk. Um, so I put my hand up, that's mine. Uh, desk number five, though. <laughs> if, there, if, if there even is a desk under that, uh, this is Andy. Uh, 
you don't need to be told whose desk it is. You can look. And if you know the person, you can see their respective personalities and their, their strengths and their weaknesses coming out by the desk and their space. John is saying that is us and God and love. Since God has loved us through Jesus, loved us so much so that we are now his children and that he lives in us by his spirit, then of course what will come out, what will be seen is love. Love will come out, love will be seen because we belong to the God who is love. You see, when the God who is love lives in you, you love others. It just overflows out of, out of his love and out of his spirit dwelling within you. Uh, now, that's a really powerful, important thought, and we're going to come back to it. We'll say more about it a little bit later. Uh, but we're going to look at the second link between God loving us and us loving each other. Uh, and it's not just that God lives in us. The second link is that God's love is being made complete in us. God's love is being made complete in us when we love others. Uh, now, uh, this will be a little bit harder work and it might sound a little bit strange. Uh, how is it that God's love is made complete? How, how does that work? Isn't God's love complete already? How can it be made complete? Now, I think what John is doing here is he's describing the end goal of God's love. That God's love is complete in the sense that it completes the end result of what God was wanting to achieve. Now, it's like someone saying, um, you know, uh, Stu, he loves playing golf. Uh, imagine he goes out later on this afternoon and uh, he hits a hole in one and he says, um, I've completed golf. Uh, you know, a hole in one is kind of like the pinnacle, the, the, the ultimate thing you can achieve in golf. It doesn't mean that Stu's never going to go play golf again, as much as Hannah might like that. Um, uh, he's just achieved the ultimate thing. Uh, or when you run a marathon, uh, you say, I've, I've finished running. I've achieved everything that is to be achieved in running. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're never going to run again, but you've kind of re- reached that, 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 that pinnacle, that peak. Uh, and so it's the idea that God's re- love has reached its intended result, the peak of what he wanted to achieve in us. And what is it that he wanted to achieve in us? Well, that we love each other. And that we're confident that we're his children. Verse 17, this is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Do you see what he's saying here? He's saying that we are like God by loving each other, and that shows that God lives in us, and knowing that God lives in us, that means we can be confident. Confident on the day of judgment. Confident because we are his children. And that process, John says, is what completes God's love. That's where it is all heading. See, God's love for you doesn't stop just when you're saved. God's love saves you, but he also, out of his love, wants you to know, to have confidence, to have assurance that you're saved. God wants you to be assured that you're his children. He wants that love that he has shown you to be then reflected out to others. That's the end purpose of God's love. That's what it completes it. Uh, and that's what happens when we love one another. Uh, because when we love one another, John says, that's a sign that we're one of God's children. Uh, when we love one another, when, when love is, uh, is displayed in our life, that's reassuring. Uh, because it's evidence of everything else that has happened behind the scenes. Uh, it's a little bit like an iceberg. Uh, they say that 90% of an iceberg sits below the surface. Uh, you can only see the 10% that's exposed. Uh, 
Uh, you know, the 10% they say is, you know, as they say, it's the tip of the iceberg. Um, there's a whole massive chunk uh, that floats below the surface. And what John is saying here is that when the followers of Jesus love one another, when that can be seen amongst us, that is the tip of the iceberg. That's just what you can see. But below the surface are these massive realities he is showing us. That we have God's spirit living within us. That we are God's beloved children. And that's really where the reassurance comes from. That we are part of God's family. And so John says that means, that means we have nothing to fear on the day of judgment. We can have confidence before God. Not because we've earned his love, but confidence because the love that we have for each other indicates what's going on below the surface. Uh, It reveals realities that are unseen. It reveals the realities that God has given us his spirit. The reality that we are his beloved children. And so verse 18, it means we can come to God without any fear about meeting him. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Uh, Now, loving one another, it completes God's love because it gives us that assurance. Uh, Loving one another, it completes God's love because it means we do not fear God, uh, which is why John finishes the way that he does in verse 19. Verse 19, we love because he that first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. John finishes by saying what should be increasingly obvious to us now. Anyone who does not love others, well, they can't be one of God's children. But when we do love one another, When we love sacrificially, it shows that we are one of his children. When we do love one another, it shows that God is in us. And when we do love one another, it shows that God's love is being made complete in us. It's being made complete because we can have full confidence that we are part of God's family, that we have nothing to fear. Now, I hope these words are a comfort and an encouragement for you if you're someone who trusts in Jesus. That's why John wrote these words. He, he, I, know, I know this passage is hard. It's got twists and turns. Uh, some bits are, are require a bit of hard work to understand. And, and you know, we might feel like we've heard it before. But John wrote these words so that you can have confidence, assurance. You can have the confidence and assurance of knowing that the God who spoke the universe into being the God who sustains it all for every second of every day, that he lives in you by his Spirit. And John wants you to know that if we love one another, it proves that he lives in us. And it should put our hearts at rest in his presence. Now I think flowing from this, there ought to be, we ought to feel two things. I think there ought to be a, a feeling of responsibility Uh, But then also there's a possibility uh, that flows out from this. I I think the responsibility uh, comes from making sure that God's love does actually show in us. Uh, I didn't mention it on the way through, but in verse 12, there's this intriguing phrase. Verse 12 begins with, no one has ever seen God. Now, why does John bother saying that? 
Uh, it's almost an exact repetition of what uh, John uh, wrote in his gospel, where uh, John says that no one has ever seen God. But in the gospel, he then goes on to talk about how the arrival of Jesus has made God known. Uh, but here in 1 John, he's repeating that phrase to say something, as, something else as well. Uh, I think he's repeating it to tell us the incredible truth that when we love one another, it makes God known. When we love one another, it makes God known. You see, Jesus is no longer physically in the world. You can't kind of take someone by the hand uh, and go over to Jesus' house and introduce them to Jesus and they can sit down and have a cup of tea and get to know each other. It doesn't work like that, does it? But John is saying that people ought to be able to meet Jesus. They ought to be able to encounter God in the way we love one another. In the way we sacrificially give of ourselves for one another. Now that's a really big deal. What a great and precious responsibility God has given us. I mean, we live in a world that is so confused and so cynical, it's crying out for love, but is looking for love in all the wrong places. And in a world like that, people ought to be able to come in here and they ought to be able to look around and see at the way that we love one another. And John says they should be able to look at that and they ought to be able to see the God who is love in us. The God they can't see with their eyes, they ought to be able to see him in the way that we love one another. Uh, Francis Schaeffer, the theologian and philosopher, uh, one of the most influential Christians in the last century, uh, he famously avoided doing public debates. You know, you get two people together and they argue about stuff. Uh, he wouldn't do it. Now, he, he, did, you know, he did contest ideas. He made arguments. He answered critiques. He presented some of the most compelling answers for Christianity of anyone in the 20th century. He did it in his writing and his speaking. But he wouldn't get up and debate someone face to face. He refused to do it. The reason he would not debate people is because debates so often lacked love. Schaefer, despite the intellectual giant that he was, he said he was always more interested in winning the person than winning the argument. More interested in winning the person than winning the argument. And the way people are won, he said, and I think John would agree with this, he said, people are won is by hearing the truth in the context of love. And Schaefer said these words, he said, uh, without true Christians loving one another, the world cannot be expected to listen. Something to think about, isn't it? Without Christians loving one another, the world cannot be expected to listen. After we have done our best to communicate to a lost world, still we must never forget that the final apologetic which Jesus gives us is the observable love of true Christians for true Christians. The final apologetic is that we love one another. We're to live out being God's children, to love one another, because that is the closest that many people will get to ever seeing God, the God who has loved them. Uh, but that's not just a responsibility that we have. There's also a possibility here as well. Uh, we began by asking the question, uh, how can we have a love that lasts? How can we possibly love in the way that we ought in the way that, Jesus, that follows Jesus' kind of spectacular example of laying down his life for others. Uh, well, John says it's possible. 
It is possible to have this love displayed amongst us. Otherwise, he wouldn't say what he's saying. Uh, But he says, well, it's possible, but it's not by trying harder. It's not by putting in more effort. Uh, To have this love in our life is not by mastering a particular technique. Uh, The way we love like this is to first be loved by God himself. We can only love this by first being transformed by God's love. It's verse 13. We love because he first loved us. And so what John is saying is that only God's love can transform our loveless, selfish life. So sorry, what John is saying is that God's love can only God's love can transform loveless, selfish people like you and me and transform us into being loving, selfless followers of Jesus. You see, only God's love can take our sin and selfishness and it can nail it to the cross. Only God's love can fully and truly meet all our needs and all our hopes and all of our dreams. Only God's love can be so complete that we no longer need to take from those around us, but we're now free to give and to love as he has loved us. Uh, I think uh, a helpful illustration for this is like like a cup. Imagine that your heart and your life is like a cup and you walk around and you're pouring out. You're pouring out yourself. You're pouring out love and service into, into others. Uh, you're loving them. You're caring for them. You're, you're putting them first. And as we're pouring it out, our, our cup is emptying all the time. And so what we do to fill our cup is we do, we've got little techniques to fill our cup. So you know, we, we do things like me time or boundaries. Uh, and we do those things to kind of limit how much we pour out. We don't pour out too much. So we've still got plenty left for ourselves. Uh, or we do things like self-care or coping mechanisms uh, to try and refill the cup, try and get more into the cup. Uh, and, and those things work for a while. And those things are good and they're not bad. Like I think have healthy boundaries, uh, look after yourself, look after your relationships. Those are, those, are, those are good, but they will never keep that cup full. They will never be able to sustain a life of love that we see here in 1 John. The cup will keep being drained. And so we don't need better boundaries or we don't need more effective self-care, as helpful as they might be. What we really need is a better source of love, a better tap, a better fountain in which to fill our cup, a greater source of love and joy and assurance, a source that will will fill our cup and fill our hearts so that they overflow. John is saying if we receive God's love for us in Jesus, if we're filled by his spirit, then we are filled with his love and we are filled to overflowing. And it's from this everlasting, unrelenting fountain of love that is being poured out for you in Jesus. It's from here that you can truly love like you have been loved. It's so great to hear Howard sharing how, uh, you know, essentially sharing how, how, how his cup is filled with love for God as he reads his word, as he ponders the truths about God, reading books and listening to music. Dwelling richly in Christ and his word. Filling our hearts with his love. Based on his truth. So that it might overflow in love to those around us.
Uh, Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher, he has a whole sermon on this. Uh, And here's just one small quote that hopefully will help round things out for us. He says, Christian people ought to be like the cascades I've seen in brooks and rivers, always running over and so causing other falls, which again by their joyful excess cause fresh cascades and beauty is joyfully multiplied. Spurgeon is saying our hearts ought to be so filled with God's love, with love for God who has uh, given himself for us in Jesus, the God who dwells in our hearts by his spirit, that it just overflows to those around us. So come to Jesus, trust in Jesus, be filled with his spirit, be filled with him as a beloved child of God, be filled with confidence, be filled with love from God so that it might cascade, so it might overflow in a joyful excess to those around you. We love because he first loved us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. Uh, We thank you for the way that it speaks of the love you have shown us in Jesus. That he has taken our sin and our selfishness and has been nailed to the cross. And that now you live and dwell in us by your spirit. Uh, That your love is made complete in us as we uh, love you and love one another. And Lord, we pray that we might be people who come to you and are filled by you, are perfectly at peace and content with you so that we are free to love those around us. And Lord, we pray that as we do that, that the world might see you, see you working in and through us as we love. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if the band want to uh, come and up, we're going to continue to respond uh, to God's word by uh, committing ourselves to one another uh, and the love that we see here in 1 John. So please uh, stand as we sing.